2: How's it going everybody? Welcome into this Friday edition of the Packaday podcast. I am of course your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. We had quite a bit of news and notes from Thursday, so let's kick things off there before we get into our main topic, which is going to be how the Packers can go about supporting Jordan Love, making this season sort of about Jordan Love, and making sure that he can get off to a strong start with his first year as a NFL starter. So let's start off with news and notes, though. First off, the Packers did re-sign Justin Hollins. So we just talked yesterday how Hollins went and met with the Giants, and I mentioned nothing was imminent at the time. of recording, but probably not a great sign. Well, apparently Justin Hollins visited New York and said, you know what? Green Bay seems way better. Green Bay is able to get him back on a one-year deal, just over a million dollars. So I like this re-signing for Green Bay. Now, when he came in, it was kind of akin, actually, a little bit to the Whitney Merciless signing. Now, Merciless was a more well-known player and performed a little bit better in his very limited time than what Justin Hollins did, but you actually saw a player who could get to the quarterback a little bit, provide some pressure, didn't always hold up great at the point of attack, but I really like this as a fourth-edge rusher as of now. Now, we don't know the status of what Rashawn Gary's going to be to begin the season, so there's a little bit of a question mark there, but... This right now, when Rashawn Gary gets healthy, gives you Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kingsley, JJ, and Igbaré, and now Justin Hollins. That's a pretty decent foursome. Now, it's not going to, you know, preclude or you know, limit Green Bay from going out and trying to get an edge rusher in the draft if the right situation presents itself to Green Bay. With their first pick in the draft, they could ultimately go out and take an edge rusher. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And the reason that is, is because you have Rashawn Gary coming off a torn ACL, not sure when he's going to be 100% ready. You have Preston Smith, who's probably, and I've said this for like three years in a row now, so yes, you can drag me on that, uh, rightfully so. But this probably is, uh, you know, Preston Smith's last season in Green Bay, I would guess who knows at this point, but that'd be my guess. Either way, his time in Green Bay is winding down and winding to a close. And Inigbare had a very nice first season for a day three pick and showed some real signs and promise. but there's nothing guaranteed that he's all of a sudden just going to become the next starter, that he can be a legitimate big-time edge rusher. He could just always be a nice rotational piece, which is a really nice pick still if you are a day three draft pick. But And we're all hoping that Enigbari takes that next step. I think he more than has the capability of taking a significant step if he can just put on a little bit of functional strength. But you, know, you never want to just bank on that one thing, right? So at this point, there's nothing to say that Green Bay couldn't or shouldn't or won't take an edge rusher early in the draft for all the reasons that I just mentioned. However, it also makes it so that it's not this pressing need that you have to address immediately. Like I said, if you've got Rashawn Gary healthy at some point, Rashawn, Preston, Enigbari, Enigbari, and Hollins, that's a pretty good group. You can get by with that group for a season. Not maybe 100% ideal, but certainly good enough, especially if Enigbari takes a jump and Rashawn Gary's healthy sooner rather than later, then yeah, Enigbari, Smith, and and, uh, Gary alone is going to carry that group. Gary, in and of himself, can be one of the more devastating edge rushers in all the league. So you're happy with that group. But like I said, it's not going to stop them from drafting an edge rusher, but it does give them some more necessary depth. And I like this signing for Green Bay. I thought he played well up until the last game against Detroit last year. Struggled in that game. Detroit was a little bit more physical than Green Bay was. Holland said yeah, struggled to hold up more at the point of attack. Didn't really get to the quarterback. No. Detroit has very good tackles. Penny Sewell gave everyone fits in that game. So That's just going to come with the territory sometimes, but overall, it was a good signing for Green Bay, and I like this re-signing this offseason with getting him back on a very cheap deal uh, for the edge position this upcoming season. All right, next up, we have Adrian Amos, who made a visit to the Baltimore Ravens. And it's interesting for a variety of reasons. A, he is from the Baltimore area, so this would be his hometown team. Remember the Ravens traded away Chuck Clark to the Jets, and they have a little bit of an opening at that safety position, one that Amos could clearly fill with Clark leaving for New York. And Green Bay is we just talked about safeties yesterday. Like they have this very interesting group of five safeties who are all rosterable players, but maybe doesn't have a starter on their team. Now I've done a specific episode just in regards to Adrian Amos. I don't think that it is the right situation for Green Bay to bring him back at this time. I think it's a perfect situation for Adrian to be able to go to Baltimore, his hometown team, a team that's known for their defense, a team that if, assuming Lamar Jackson is back, has playoff aspirations, I really like that deal. For Baltimore, if it gets done, for Baltimore and Adrian Amos, I like Green Bay going in a different direction. That's no knock on Adrian. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Adrian was one of my favorite players to watch. Even when I rewatched that film from his last year as a Chicago Bear to his first three years in Green Bay, like those four seasons were just a absolute joy for me to watch as a football fan. Love his consistency. Love his demeanor. Love his leadership. Love his you know everything. I love everything about his game. Last year there was a significant decline, and I do think I do think if Baltimore gets him, there's a chance that. 2022 was just you know maybe he had a, a small injury that was affecting him in some way. We saw a lot of players that didn't always jive with what Joe Barry and Jerry Gray were doing on that defensive backfield. Those two didn't seem had a great eye to eye, and we saw a lot of people struggle last year. So. If you told me he went to Baltimore, had a great season next year, it wouldn't surprise me at all because that's what we've seen out of Adrian his entire career before 2022. I just don't think when you have an aging player, if you're probably going to bring him on on a one-year deal and this is not a team that's, like I said, probably going to compete at the highest of levels this year, it probably just behooves you to go younger and see if you can't find a safety in the draft and maybe take that spot or go with an Innes Gaines or a Tariq Carpenter to see if one of those guys can step up. But I do think this is a fit for Amos and I think it's a fit for the Ravens and I'll be interested to see if that deal gets done. However, we just talked yesterday about Justin Hollins making a visit to the giants. And we'll see what that means. One day later, he signs with Green Bay. So based on that math, Adrian Amos should be signing on Friday with Green Bay. Who's? We'll see. Nobody knows at this point what's going to happen next with Amos, but he is in Baltimore. We'll see if he signs there. Maybe just maybe he ends up back in Green Bay in some way. Meanwhile, Will McDonald, a potential first round pick edge rusher does visit with Green Bay. We just talked about edge rushers potentially being a need or at least a, a position that Green Bay would be interested in early in the draft. I, I've talked about this for a while, and Green Bay has specifically ignored it to, for the most part. Green Bay's had, if, at least going back to Zadari Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary, a very specific type of edge rusher. These power rushers that are going to win, You know, Rashawn's going to convert speed to power. He's a freak athlete, so you do have that. But you've got these guys that want to go through, more often than not, the offensive linemen in front of them. And Zadarius obviously had some spin moves and some quick moves with his hands and arm over some different things that he could do, but I'm, they didn't, they didn't have, and I still wouldn't put Enigbari exactly in this category either. They haven't had that speed rusher. That's just a, you know, absolute speed demon off the edge that can dip the, you know, kind of dip around and, and flatten and get to the quarterback. And the reason I have wanted Green Bay to do something like that is it just gives offensive linemen a different flavor that they'd have to deal with, like a different, a a change, a literal change of pace. Because what I think would have happened and even like, imagine you're going against Rashawn Gary, right? And you just have this bull in a China shop who's just coming at you a million miles an hour, converting speed to power, trying to go through you, trying to rip your face off over and over and over again, relentless, almost like Giannis going through five defenders and just dunking it on you every single play. Imagine that, right? And then all of a sudden, You've got this, you know, Nolan Smith or Will McDonald, these speed rushers off the edge that have an incredible burst that can get around the edge. You're all this, you're expecting a bull rush. And all of a sudden this guy's like around you in a millisecond and at the quarterback and that quick change of pace, something that you're not used to. If you didn't read the scouting report or you just kind of got, you know, lost on a play. That change of pace can be maddening for offensive linemen. So I would love a player like Nolan Smith or a Will McDonald for that exact reason, that change of pace coming off of Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith on the outside. Now all of a sudden you've got a guy who's just going to burn you with speed. It's just something different. And usually, not always, but usually an offensive tackle has something that they're really good at. You have a handful like a Trent Williams, a David Bakhtiari, etc., Laramie Tunsil, who are just good at everything. But a lot of offensive linemen struggle with something. And sometimes that's power, Sometimes that's speed. Sometimes that is, you know, hands and, and, and the ability to win, uh, you know, just kind of the the battle of who's going to get their hands on the other one first. Sometimes it's going to be who's the quickest off the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it's leverage. It's, almost every offensive lineman has something. And I love having, again, those different flavors of pass rushers that, all right, if we're going to, like, let's say Pene Sewell, right? Penny Sewell might be better set up for, and Penny is phenomenal, so he's good at a lot of things. But let's just say he's really good, and we could use any name here, but let's just say somebody's really good at holding up against a bull rush. So Rashawn Gary, a little bit maybe limited in that game because that's what the offensive tackle that he's going against is good against. Well, now you've got the ability to go to a Will McDonald or a Nolan Smith who's just going to fly around you. It's possible that that offensive tackle who is bigger and stronger can handle the bull rush maybe isn't quite as good against a speed rush. And now you've got that different opportunity to go after that offensive tackle in a different way in maybe some key third down situations. So Will McDonald visits Green Bay. Would absolutely love to see an edge rusher like that. I think they could bring a ton of value to the team. It's not something that Green Bay has generally valued. They kind of want the complete package. But the way Will uh, McDonald had to play in college and kind of line up a little bit more as like a defensive lineman, I think that's going to you know, sort of lend itself to him holding up at the point of attack better as an edge rusher. So we'll see. I'm very intrigued by Will McDonald. And if Green Bay decided that that's their pick, that would be, it would be interesting at 15. I'll say that right now, but There's a possibility he could maybe sneak into the early second round. Maybe Green Bay moves up. Maybe Green Bay moves back from 15. Who knows what happens with Jets picks and things like that. If all of a sudden they get two seconds, Brian's going to have immense flexibility to move up and down in the first two rounds of the draft. So who knows? And I think it's a a really smart move by Green Bay to do their due diligence on Will McDonald. And last for our very quick Aaron Rodgers update from everyone's favorite, Adam Schefter, who I know everyone is very uh, in love with. Very quick update today. Schefter reports that the Packers want a first round pick plus and that the talks have recently stalled. The Jets want to give much less and that's where things are currently at. So apparently the Packers and the Jets have not talked much this week, according to reports. And again, talks are currently stalled at the moment. So take that for what it is. That's all we're going to go over with Aaron Rodgers today. For the most part, I have one other snippet, but it's going to be very small as well. All right. Let us get to our main event for today. And that is Jordan Love and how Green Bay can go about this season supporting Jordan Love, making sure that he is set up for success and really building a team and a process and a roster and a scheme and a playbook around Jordan and what he does well. I'm a huge believer in a strong start for a player. It should be clear here that this is not Jordan's rookie year. He is not having this is not his rookie season and getting him off to the right start in that capacity that's a little bit different. I do think Green Bay's done a nice job with being able to develop Jordan for 3 years up until this point, but I still think there is a ton of value that when he goes out there and makes his first official start as starting quarterback, I know he started the game against the Chiefs, but his first official game as like the guy, the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers where he's expected to start an entire season that you do everything you can to make sure that he is supported that make sure he has everything around him that he needs, that he has the weapons, that he has the tools, that he has the resources, everything to set him up strong. Because I do think if you can build that confidence early on with Jordan, that will build more confidence and more confidence. And he's going to believe that he can play and hang and play at hopefully an incredibly high level in this league. If you don't get him off to that strong start and he starts ripping interceptions and throwing 60% or lower completion percentage and losing confidence, that can spiral as well. So confidence winning is going to breed confidence in winning, losing and poor play is probably going to lead to some questioning and you know just some, some things that you're probably going to have to overcome at some point. We all know there's going to be bumps along the way. This is not going to be an incredibly smooth process. If it is, awesome. All the power to Jordan. That would be amazing. But in all likelihood there's going to be a couple of hiccups that need to get solved around the uh, you know along the way. But I do think there are a lot of different things that Green Bay can do to set up Jordan for success and make sure that he is comfortable and playing confident football as he becomes the new guy for this Packers team. And let's just be abundantly clear here. 2023, this season, this year, this team is all about Jordan. If you win and you make a run in the playoffs and you have an opportunity to go as far as you want, awesome. That is a beautiful cherry on the sundae, the icing on the cake, whatever lame cliche that you want to use, you are more than welcome to. But that's a bonus. That is an absolute bonus. And to be clear on one other thing, I'm not saying they shouldn't be trying to win. I'm not saying that they can't win. I'm not saying that they can't make a run if Jordan go- comes out and plays well. That's all possible. And that's that's what they should be doing is trying to win with, with Jordan and this team based on how it's set up. So I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But I'm saying if you're putting realistic expectations on this season, the expectation should be to make sure that you do everything in your power to get Jordan being the best quarterback that he can be. Because if he is good or really good, or great, or amazing, any of those, and he can be a legitimate starting quarterback for your franchise for the next decade, that is worth its weight in gold. And this will have been an incredible season, regardless of what Green Bay's record is. The record will not matter. If you tell me Jordan Love is a really good starting quarterback, maybe top 15, 16 quarterback, or at least shows signs of maybe being even a top 10 quarterback or better this season. If they went 0-17, but that happened, that Jordan was showing real signs or like actually playing incredibly well, that's beautiful. That's what this season is about. And everything else on top of that is amazing. And I get you play to win the game. I don't need a Herm Edwards uh, talk you know, to me. This is still a team game, and this is still something that they're going to go out and try to win football games every Sunday. But as an organization, as a long-term franchise, the best thing that you can have this season is the development of Jordan Love. That is what 2023 is about. So if you can get him started on the right foot and progressing towards being a really good quarterback in the NFL that's what you're shooting for. So there are multiple ways that Green Bay can go about making sure that this season is built around Jordan Love and trying to make him successful. And the really good news is that there are a handful of things, four to be exact, that Green Bay has already done to really try and help him be successful. So number one is the return of Tom Clements. I cannot think of very many more important aspects of this offseason so far than being able to get Tom Clements back and continuing to mentor Jordan Love. I do not believe for a millisecond that Jordan Love's ascension last year had, like, it's not a coincidence, I'll put it that way, that that coincided with Tom Clements becoming the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers. That is no rip on any previous quarterback's coaches or anything like that, but what Tom did for Aaron is arguably legendary. And Aaron has gone on and on about the impact that Tom had on Aaron's career. And we're seeing, I think, a very similar sort of situation with Jordan Love. And Jordan just being able to continue a lot of the things that he learned from Tom a season ago and carry that over into 2023, I think that is going to be beyond massive. So getting Tom Clements back is number one that they've already done and is going to be huge for Jordan. Number two is getting Aaron Jones back. And your immediate thought might be, yeah, that's going to, they're going to be able to run the ball and Aaron Jones is going to give them a check down and that's going to be really key for him. And those things are abundantly true and of course true, but Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who's already on the team are also very good at picking up blitzes. They're something that they had to do for Aaron immediately. And it's incredibly important to what Aaron does at the line of scrimmage and making checks and picking up blitzes and everything like that. It just gives Jordan a little bit more security that he has two running backs in Jones and Dylan. Jones isn't perfect at it. There are times that he'll get, you know, kind of matched up against bigger linebackers and it can be a little bit of a problem. But having those two guys and getting Aaron Jones back for a variety of reasons, all the things we just mentioned, the ability to run with with Aaron Jones, the ability for him to catch the ball, the backfield, have a check down back that can do all those things. But The pass protection aspect of this as well, the blitz pickup is going to be very important. We saw what Kansas City did to Jordan. I can promise you, when Jordan becomes a starter, there are going to be teams that are going to test that out again and say, "All right, we're going to blitz the crap out of this guy. Let's see if he can handle it better than he did against Kansas City." So, having a couple running backs in the backfield that can pick up the blitz is going to be incredibly important. And Aaron and AJ both great at it. So, bringing back Aaron Jones for a variety of reasons is going to be really huge for Jordan this upcoming year. Next up is the return of three offensive linemen. At least we're pretty sure at this point, three offensive linemen. David Bakhtiari is going to be back the way they restructured his contract. Yes, it very much could lend itself to a post-June 1st trade. So it's not a million percent set in stone, but I would expect Bakhtiari to be back and that giving him a blindside left tackle that is one of the very best in the game is going to go a long way in Jordan feeling confident with that offensive line in front of him. So I do expect Bakhtiari to be back resigning Elton Jenkins I know that was you know kind of late last year that that happened but still this is uh this was set to be a free agent this year and getting back Elton is really kind of the key piece of what they've done this this offseason as a whole I think that is a key piece in giving him another fantastic offensive lineman. And then as of now, putting that second round tender on Yash Nyman, still maybe a team that could go out and make an offer sheet. I do not expect that to happen. I do think Yash will be back on the one-year tender, but that just gives more depth and options to that offensive line. So Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Yash all back at this point is again, going to pay huge dividends for Jordan this upcoming year. And then lastly, that of things that they've already done is re, you know re-signing Keyshawn Nixon, and that one might seem like yeah all right he's not on offense so but just having the ability for Keyshawn to bring that ball out to the thirty the thirty five the forty the forty five or maybe even you know a couple of house calls now and then but set Jordan up with good field position. You don't want to have Jordan having to work eighty plus yards because this team can't return kicks or punts for the entirety of the season. You don't want those extremely long where you got to go 17 plays, 85 yards in order to score touchdowns. You've got to be able to get him set up with some good field position and just make things a little bit easier on him. If you can do that, That's going to set him up for success. So getting a returner back, the caliber of Keisha Nixon, the first team all pro returner from a season ago, I think is also going to be huge for Jordan so that he doesn't have to put some of those 17 play, 85 yard drives together. And Nixon can probably help him out and make it so that those are 55, 60, 65 yard drives instead of 80, 85, 90 yard drives.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
2: All right. Those are the things that Green Bay has already accomplished. There are still 10 things that I think that they can do to set up Jordan for even better success this upcoming year. Number one, and this is going to maybe sound a little bit weird as a number one. N- number one is getting Josiah DeGuara more involved in the offense. You might be thinking, What? Josiah Deguara, that's your number one. There seems to be a connection between Jordan and Josiah. When Jordan has come in, Josiah has been more involved. It seems like they get him in the, the game a little bit more and Jordan seems to target him. Every once in a while, there's just a connection like that. Somebody that you feel comfortable with. And this makes some logical sense, right? This makes sense that you could be looking at a uh, Deguara-love you know, pairing that worked a lot together in... Um, in in scout team and as, as the backups together and those sort of things. So it's possible that they develop that chemistry and connection together. And if that's so, then get Josiah on the field a little bit more and let that chemistry cook this upcoming year. I don't think it's something that you have to play him like 80, 90% of the snaps, but I do think he needs to play more than he has in the past. Well, right now you don't have any other H backs or tight ends legitimately on the roster that are gonna play, so that's easy. But even as you start stacking those uh, tight end position a little bit more, I do think you need to get DeGuarra more involved because there does seem to be a connection there between Jordan and Josiah. All right, number two on my list, for things that they can do to help build up this team for Jordan this upcoming year is besides Josiah Deguara, go and figure out this tight end position. You look at this tight end group right now, and you've got Gugamis and Austin Allen, and you've got Josiah Deguara. That's not good enough. You need to continue to build this tight end room, and it's going to be very important that they do that for Jordan this offseason. There's not a ton of free agents left. Robert Tunyon's already gone. I would still be incredibly interested in trying to bring Mercedes back, I'm not sure how gung ho Mercedes is going to be about coming back to Green Bay this year. Now, if there's no better options and Green Bay is willing to give him the same deal that they have previously, there, maybe something can be worked out. But if Mercedes, a Mercedes, could just retire and say, I'm, "I'm done," he's at that age. Number two, if he does play, he could very well want to play for a team that is going to be competing for a super bowl. He could just want to go play with Aaron. We know the connection that those two have as well. So if I were a betting person, I would think that maybe all three of those going to do, going to somebody who has the opportunity to win a super bowl, going to play with Aaron or retiring might all be ahead of his list of, you know, before returning to green Bay, but, If they can somehow find a way to get him back, I do think that would make some sense. But whether it's Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, there are a lot of options for tight ends in this draft. I know that's aggressive. There's a lot of options later in the draft, too. This is a very deep tight end class, but you are going to need to build this position up. I talked about about Darnell Washington the other day, of how I think that this could be a player that helps you as a blocker helps you as a pass protector, a run blocker, I should say, pass protector. And then also in the passing game as well, and just gives you that six, six freak over the middle where again, if things start to break down, you have somebody that you can throw it to and he's probably gonna box out that defender and just make a play on the ball. Even if it falls harmlessly incomplete, that's fine better than a sack, better than an interception. And a lot of times I'm sure Darnell Washington's going to actually come up with that play. So that's a player, but Musgrave's really fun. Kincaid's fun. Mayer's fun. I love Laporta. There's a lot of really fun tight ends in this class If they can find a way to get one of those tight ends. A, a tight end, when, when you're a toddler, when you're a toddler, what do you need? What is your safety? What is your comfort? It's your blankie. Jordan Love is still a toddler at quarterback. He needs his blankie. His tight end is his blankie. He needs somebody over the middle that can be that guy, that security blanket, who can just be his safe zone that he feels comfortable with. He knows where they're going to be. He knows how big they are. And if everything breaks down around him, he can just be like, all right, I've got my blankie. I know exactly where I'm going. And that can be a little bit of a crutch for him as he starts developing as a starter in the NFL. So number two, figure out that tight end position. Number three, and we talked about this uh, yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was, uh, finding a veteran quarterback for, uh, as a backup. Now they could go the rookie route and maybe Jordan doesn't get the benefit of that. And, and that's okay. The, he has Tom Clements to put the arm around him and teach him things. So it doesn't have to be that, but if there is a, a Joe Flacco, maybe you can convince Matt Ryan as a one-year backup to come in something like that. If you can get a veteran in here that knows the game so incredibly well, and has been through every trial and tribulation that the NFL has to offer like Ryan and Flacco have that that to me would be something that very much could help Jordan and just be there to to listen and to to kind of be like, hey, especially Flacco and Ryan. They've gone through some tough seasons. They've gone through some great seasons. Uh, Flacco, I believe, winning a Super Bowl and, and Matt Ryan winning an MVP they've gone through some really amazing times they've gone both of them through some very tough times as well so i can't think of better players that would be able to be there for that emotional support and kind of walk him through the through the path as being a starter than those kind of guys but there are other veterans out there as well that could also be of value to him so they could it doesn't have to be those two but i do think the potential to bring in a veteran backup QB could be very important for Jordan as well. Number four on my list is to continue to draft and develop playmakers. They got off to a great start a season ago by drafting Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, and maybe just maybe Samore Turi as well. Bo Melton is a very fun flyer, but you need to continue to develop this to develop this wide receiver room. If you look at where they're at right now, Like I said, they're off to a good start with those young playmakers, but that wide receiver room as a whole is pretty barren for an NFL offense. So they have to continue to find ways to add playmakers to this group. And we can talk about some potential veterans here that could make sense. In fact, spoiler, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I do think the bigger, more important aspect of this is to continue to find players that can get the ball in their hands and make plays so that Jordan doesn't have to do the heavy lifting, that he doesn't have to make incredible throws down the field, that you can kind of go with the Kyle Shanahan system of, hey, we're going to get the ball into our playmaker's hands and they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you can find players like that and they're in a potential position to do so. I'll say it right now, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba would be such an amazing draft pick. A lot of times you're not in a position where you can go out and attack just like the slot wide receiver position, but you've got Watson and you've got Dobbs who can both play on the outside already, which means that you can go out and Jackson Smith and Jigba can play on the outside as well. It's it's not going to be his primary, but I very much believe he can play on the outside as well, but he is a primary slot guy and to me... He is a walking, running, jogging, whatever you want to call it. He is is a automatic first down waiting to happen. He can gain so much separation. He is able to find his way free in some clutch situations. And he is going to be that guy that you want to talk about a security blanket. On your key third downs, you're going to be able to look to him and know that he's going to find a way to get open. He to add to the playmaking of Christian Watson, I think Romeo Dobbs is going to contend. You know, continue to develop into a well-rounded overall wide receiver, and then to have that Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot that is going to constantly get open, create plays. He's going to be a full-fledged playmaker, security blanket, first down machine, touchdown machine, red zone machine, all of it. Adding that to the group. That, that's going to set your wide receiver group up for success for years. And then you still have a Toure. Eh? You probably still continue to attack that position in the draft. Maybe Bo Melton turns into something, who knows? But that is a great, great way to start off those playmaking weapons. So if they can somehow find a way to get Smith and Jigba at 15 or maybe 13, if they can find a way to do that, I am a million percent all in. I think he would be a phenomenal pick for Green Bay. But even if he's not they could go in a variety of different directions. It doesn't have to be in the first round. There's going to be plenty of playmakers that are available throughout the course of the draft. So I I would continue to build young and talented playmakers for this offense. Again, targeting 2025, 2026. And all of a sudden, if you've got one of those top playmakers this year, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and they all develop together with Jordan Love, man, that has the ability to be a very potent offense down the road. And that gives you something to be really excited about. So continue to find those players, those run after the catch demons, whatever it is, a, a constant first down red zone threat in Smith and Jigba. So many guys can bring so many different you know, layers and levels of this to the wide receiver room. And I, Smith and Jigba to, it, to me would be an ideal, but there's a lot of other wide receivers as well that could certainly add there. And it is something that's necessary to get added at this point for Jordan. Number five is figuring out the center position. There's probably been few, if any, people who have been harder on Josh Myers than me. To be clear, I very much like Josh coming out of the draft. I still think there's a lot of potential there. I think Josh can be a good center in this league. I really do. He just hasn't been. First year, injury riddled, saw some promise, up and down play. Second year, in my opinion, took a major step back. He needs to get back to playing at a much higher level. He needs to find his confidence Maybe he needs to move to guard. Maybe maybe just getting a new quarterback there, That's maybe there's not as much pressure there. Maybe that helps Josh Myers. I don't know. But if Josh is not able to hold up and be that center and be that guy, then you have to look at Zach Tom, Elton Jenkins. There, You could go in a variety of directions. Maybe they look to draft somebody and look for a replacement there. But if you want Jordan to succeed and be able to you know, run a play action system where he's turning his back away from the rush. you got to trust your center. you got to, and the other thing too, is that the center's the one making the calls on the offensive line. You want to take some of that pressure off of Jordan. You don't want Jordan to have to be up there thinking like, oh, did my center just make the right calls on the line? Are, Are they all set to go? And like having that in his mind as well. You want him relaxed and knowing that your center is going to be good with making all those calls up front and that you're not going to get that immediate A-gap pressure because the center made the wrong call. So that center position is going to be huge. And if Josh isn't up to it early in the season, then they need to go somewhere else. And as much as I don't want to move Elton away from left guard, because I think that's his best position, we saw him get immeasurably better at left guard from where he was at right tackle. I want to see him just stay at left guard. If he's your best center, and that's what it takes to fix the the middle of that offensive line, then make that move. He was a center in college. He could play it at a very high level. Maybe Zach Tom's that guy. Brian Gutekinds mentioned that his best position they thought coming out of college was going to be center. That's within the realm of possibility as well. I don't care who it is, and I hope it's Josh. I hope Josh just comes out and has the best season of his career. That would be awesome. Love nothing more than that. But if it's not, if he doesn't, then you got to go in a different direction to make sure that that position is a little bit more short up. Number six goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, you got to build your offense and build your playbook for Jordan. And Matt LaFleur, one of the things that he does best is he trusts his quarterback and what they feel comfortable with. So we probably don't even need to go over this one too much because I know Matt's going to do it anyway, but this is an offense that needs to be built around Jordan's strengths. Matt LaFleur is going to do that. He listens to his quarterback, what they feel comfortable with, what they feel confident in, and he's going to run what feels comfortable and confident for Jordan. Number seven is while I think you need to continue to look at young playmakers. I do think you need to at least maybe consider bringing in a veteran wide receiver. I don't think it's as big of a deal as others are making of like, oh, you got to have a veteran in the room. You got to, they'll be okay. If they, if they just go out and get playmakers, it won't matter that those guys are first or second year players. There'll be some bumps in the road, but we know that this is going to be a season filled with bumps in the roads anyway. So that's okay. But I do think you at least consider it. Maybe you get Corey Davis in exchange. Maybe they just release Corey Davis and you pick him up in free agency. Maybe you go out and get somebody like a Jarvis Landry, not ideal at his age, but he could be that veteran presence. And the other one, and I said this before, and I never would have expected me to say this, but the other one that just kind of makes some sense is Randall Cobb. And I know Randall's probably more likely to end up in New York or maybe even with another team. At this point, Brian came out and said when they acquired him that the only reason he was there was because Aaron was there. So who knows? but I actually kind of like the idea of bringing Randall back and being the steadying veteran presence for your two rays and your Dobbs and your Watsons and probably an early draft pick this year as well. If you've got a bunch of first and second year guys, Randall Cobb being in that room I think actually could provide a ton of value. So whether it's a Corey Davis or Randall Cobb, maybe a Jarvis Landry, I do think just having that veteran there and if you have one wide receiver at least where maybe they trouble have a little bit more trouble separating at their age, but at least you know as the quarterback they're going to run the, a precise route, there's value in that as well. So I do think maybe going out and at least looking at a veteran wide receiver could make some sense also. Number 8 This is the one I talked a little bit about earlier. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but just making sure that you get the Aaron Rodgers deal done before this becomes a complete sideshow and more media is showing up in Green Bay. And it's a cloud that hangs over Jordan because you want Jordan to just go into the season with confidence, knowing he's the guy that Aaron has been moved to New York and that you can just... Basically, turn the page. Jordan's the guy, and you don't have to worry about anything else. You don't want the media stuff going on. You don't want Aaron in the backdrop. You don't want all of that stuff to still be hanging overhead. I think you just want a clean slate and Jordan to be able to take over as starter of the team. I think that would actually help. Number nine, this might be a little tough. This might be very, very tough for a team that has basically done it since he was drafted with two different coaches. Let's not forget about Aaron Jones. Let's keep Aaron Jones involved in the game. That seems like it would be a pretty good idea. And let's continue to run the ball. This should be able to be a run-first offense. You don't want Jordan to have to go out and throw 35, 40 passes a game. You have Aaron Jones. You brought him back for a reason. He's one of the highest-paid running backs in the game for a reason. Use him. Don't forget about him. We can't have another press conference like, yeah, yeah, we probably should have got Aaron the ball more. Duh! just get him the ball more. He's that good. There's zero reason that he should not be touching the ball 15 times. 15 times should be the bare minimum. I don't care if you throw it to him. I don't care if you hand it to him. I don't care if you give it to him on a reverse, a jet sweep. I do not care how he gets the 15 touches, get him his 15 touches and continue to run the ball with Jones and Dylan. Even if you're down, you don't have to get everything back in one play, run the ball, have success doing it, set up the play action and let Jordan prosper. And last but not least, the final one is let Jordan learn. Let him sling the ball a little bit. Take the training wheels off. We heard from Brian Gudikins the last step for Jordan Love is that he needs to play. That's great, but you can't put him in a bunch of bubble wrap and say, all right, you know, one little tiny step at a time. This is year four for Jordan Love. He needs to go out and sling it. And I'm not saying you don't course correct. I'm not saying if he starts throwing some crazy picks that you don't rein it in, but he has to learn. He has to figure out a way to learn what he can get away with, what he can't get away with, when he needs to tuck the ball, when he needs to live to see another down, when he needs to throw it away, when he needs to scramble, when he needs to buy time, when he needs to just rip the ball. Those are things that come with time. But if you baby down the offense or water down the offense or try to put him in bubble wrap and make it so that he can't make mistakes, He's not going to learn. You have to let him just go out there, rip the football, be the quarterback, be the guy, play with confidence, and have him figure things out along the way. That's sometimes the best way to learn, the best way to get better. And he just has to go out there and be the guy and learn, learn on the job. That's what he's going to have to do. So, my ten things that Green Bay needs to do for the rest of this season, off season, etc., to make sure that Jordan can be successful, get Josiah more involved figure out the tight end position, add some talent there. You can't just go in with what they have right now. Find a veteran backup that can maybe be a support system for him. Draft and develop playmakers, continue to do that. Fix the center position or figure out what you're going to do at the center position or hope that you get a jump from Josh Myers. Build a playbook around Jordan, consider a veteran wide receiver, complete the Rodgers deal in an appropriate amount of time. Don't forget about Aaron Jones and make sure you're running the ball and let him learn and take his lumps and, and learn along the way as he's playing this upcoming year. That's my 10. They did the four things already, what Nixon, offensive line, Aaron Jones, and Tom Clements. They've got some work to do, but I do think that they can make this season built around Jordan Love. I think they can make him successful and I'm incredibly excited to watch them do it and to see what he can do in his first year as a starter. That's gonna do it for me. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. Please make sure to subscribe if you have not already, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.